There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, welcome back to Babe. Babe. I'm here with Jocelyn Fee again. And uh, I'm not going to lie, we're kind of tired right now. Our energy levels are low. We used the Oryx spray. We cleansed our auras with some sage spray that was sent to me from the uh, wish list reader. Thank you. And I feel a lot better after it, always. It's charged in the Sedona Vortex. I'm going to Sedona in October. You should come. Oh, I'm jealous. Maybe I do need to go. to. I really could you can use a now. Sedona. I could use a Sedona vacay. Yes, please. A spiritual. There's a creek in the backyard we're staying at. I love. Wait, do you stay at like a spa area? No, we're staying at um, a client's friend's house that has like room for quite a few people. Hmm. Want to get in on that. And then what do you do? You like hike and massage each other or so basically you have the greatest dreams of your life because you're in the vortex in Sedona. well there's multiple vortex is vortex i what is the plural of vortex vortex well i'm looking vortex-y. at because that, that seems like a pertinent vocabulary <laughs> word multiple vortex and um wait what are all the vo- vortexes of sedona there's the airplane vortexes vortexes that's the plural we're it two idiots coming to you live from my living room. <laughs> What's the plural of vortexes? <laughs> Vorti. Two morons. Okay. <laughs> Let's look. I want to Google Sedona vortexes. Sedona is gorgeous. Um, and there's Bell Rock. Most amazing. There's cicadas there. So there's like flying cicadas through the sky. All the I time. hate cicadas. So that is actually a deterrent, a, a huge deterrent. It's for me. only during certain season. I thought it was cicadas were like once every 17 years or something like that. I don't But know. then they're always around. Like there are cicadas in Oklahoma. Well, yeah. Like maybe they're, they're the ones in the trees that are like, wait, they're not like, they're like, like kind of like that. I sound like wind, kind of. Yeah, but it's like a distinctly summery it like comes sound. on and yeah. then it goes away. I don't know. I think I like it because I was raised in Orange County. They don't have cicadas there. Yeah, I grew up with cicadas in Oklahoma. And I remember one time I was swimming at, I was in a swimming pool having a beautiful day as a youngster. And then I came up on the water and there was a cicada sitting on the water of the pool staring at me and that really threw me off my disturbed game. ever since yeah 
Sedona Spiritual Vortexes. Sedona Spiritual Vortexes are powerful and transformational energy centers that are located in specific sites throughout Sedona, Arizona. Vortexes are the intersections of natural electromagnetic earth energy, also known as ley lines. Ley lines can intersect in different ways, creating different types of energy vortexes. The three most common types of vortexes are magnetic, electrical, and balanced vortexes. This is science, not yeah. This like- is science, everyone. No, I'm. I'm not. I know it's science. I believe. <laughs> it's amazing. Can you believe? Twisted trees indicate the presence of vortex energy. I think I might live in a vortex because I have some. I have a twisted tree. Yeah, you are a twisted tree. <laughs> I am a vortex of my own. Magnetic vortexes have a feminine or yin energy because the energy flow is very nurturing, soft, and welcoming and can assist you in inward activities such as contemplation, meditation, and reflection. And that's where we go. Cathedral Rock. That place is amazing. That's the yin. The stupa. There's a, a vortex. Bell Rock is an electrical vortex, a yang or masculine. Makes sense if you think it well when you see Bell Rock, it's protruding like a phallic symbol, and cathedral is like long and labial. Oh, love. And then a balanced vortex is simply a mix, both yin and yang. Airport Mesa is a best known balanced Sedona spiritual vortex. That one is the most the strong the strongest one. So what do you do there? You just like think about things? No. You, you just- set intentions. I don't know. I mean, what do you do there? I don't know. I just kind of walk Everyone around and did. I usually get a little winded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I watch, you know, there's good people watching. There's people flocking from, it's a huge international draw. So it's really good people watching, but there is a feeling if you can get like, we went out once all the people were gone. We went out at night to Cathedral Rock and mm-hmm. it was just, it's, it's just mystical. It's like you're on Mars. Yeah. It's really fun. I think I could benefit from some vortex energy in my life. Every- it's been a wild summer filled with ups and downs, emotional cliffs. I've peered over balancing the edge. In, yeah. Balancing in. I'm ready to pay my quarterly taxes and then go to Sedona and celebrate. <laughs> yes, please. The yin and yang in of a- making money and having to pay it to the government. Thanks, government. <laughs> I wonder if we can podcast from a vortex or if that would like fuck with the podcast energy. Well, only one way to find out. True. So, oh, I'm now going to be on the lookout for twisted trees everywhere. Well, it's it's like it's geographical. Yeah. So it's how the land is lining up with, I think, the fault lines and things like that that creates the Isn't, It's It's only two hours from the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of like a res- like they're in cahoots. They are. The Grand Canyon and Sedona. like They made zone. a deal with each other. Yeah, like, I'll be really deep over here. And then Sedona's like, I'll be really like, twist. electrical and vortexual over here. Wasn't Isn't Mount Shasta a vortex? They're sister cities. Yeah. And if we went to Sedona in October and Mount Shasta in November. Then we're truly going into like alternate dimensions. Wait, which reminds me, we have a phone call to make. Yes. <laughs> Let me see if I can get it lined up. Okay. So we obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard us talk a lot about our old boarding school cascade. So we're trying to go up there in November and like 
poke around and see what the fuck is up with it now because some really dark shit has gone down there since we graduated, which I'll, I'll pull up that article. Yeah, please tell that story while I... Okay, so Joss is going to... So we're going to try and call the school and see if anyone answers or what the deal is because there was also like some crazy fires in Redding, California in the past month and we think that the school campus might have been like affected by those fires, but no one really knows because the school shut down a month after we graduated and then like sold and became different versions of therapeutic boarding schools or like Christian boarding schools. So it has not been like owned by the same people since January, 2004. Now Cascade is this like Riverview Christian Academy, which freaks me the fuck out. Anything like Christian Academy is a hard pass. I like I like Christ. I don't have a problem with Christ, but I just have a problem with a private institute that identifies as Christian, like and that would be the basis of like all their teachings and stuff. I just feel like things can take a real twisted turn. Jesus. And not in the kind of yin-yang vortex way and more of just like a 666 vortex way. Whoa. Also, oh yeah, hence the story. Hence this story. So Prior to being Riverview Christian Academy, Cascade was Julian Youth Academy. And I remember right after I wrote the first White Girl Problems book, I was in Paris having a little vacay, like celebration of that process coming to to an end. And I was perusing the Daily Mail and I saw like this horrific article. Cause I used to just scroll through like the homepage of the daily mail to read like the darkest articles possible. And then I saw this one and I started reading that. And then midway through realized that this article took place at cascade. So here is the story. I couldn't find it on the daily mail, but Whitmore, California, a young mother is facing murder charges after the mummified body of her baby girl was found dead at a boarding school for troubled teens in eastern Shasta County. Jessica Nicole Bradford, 23, was arrested Sunday at Julian Youth Academy near Whitmore, east of Reading. KRCR News Channel 7 has learned that Bradford is a current employee of the Julian Youth Academy and lived in a dorm on the 250-acre property on Tintagel Lane. According to the Shasta County Sheriff's Office, they received a report of a deceased infant around 5.30 p.m. Sunday. Deputies found the mummified body of an infant girl and determined Bradford, the infant's mother, was responsible for the death. A lengthy interview with Bradford revealed startling details about what transpired over the past few months. The Sheriff's Office says Bradford told them she got pregnant while working at the academy and she gave birth on or about September 19th. She told investigators she hid the pregnancy from everyone, including her boyfriend of three years. She originally told investigators the baby was stillborn, but later admitted that it lived about four days before dying. Bradford said she thought about giving the baby up for adoption, but eventually decided against it. She admitted to neglecting the baby by not giving it any food or breast milk. What the fuck? She said she kept the baby in a vacant building on campus for those first four days and would check on it periodically while she still worked, visit her boyfriend, and drove to Reading at least two times. She said she didn't name the baby because she didn't want to become attached to it. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> After the baby died, she kept the child hidden in her room in a laundry basket for approximately a month and a half until a co-worker discovered it. When she realized someone had possibly seen the baby, she decided to move it to a utility closet on Friday, November 4th. 
Sheriff's deputies eventually found the child in that same closet on Sunday the 6th. According this person worked there? This person worked there. I think she got pregnant from one of the students that lived there. And that's why she didn't say anything. Because she had a fucking boyfriend. If you have a boyfriend, you get pregnant. You're like, hey, I'm fucking pregnant. So imagine me. I'm in Paris, like, at my friend's apartment reading this and, like, eating a chocolate croissant. And then I was like, holy shit, this psycho. And then it showed a picture of the dining hall. And I was like... boarding school not to laugh or make light of this obviously like mentally ill lady's dilemma doing there what was she working what was she offering and she worked she lived there bradford was arrested for open count of murder willful harm and injury to child she's being held shasta county julian youth academy is a christian residential boarding school for troubled teens according to the organization's website it was founded in 1993 as a non-profit private residential school for struggling teenagers in need of full-time supervision and redirection that's a lie though 1993 no, they maybe had a different location before. It accepts students age 12 to 17. Remember that, like, 12-year-old that came to our to Cascade? Uh, <laughs> once the... Fun fact about Cascade was once the uh, admissions levels... Dropped below, dropped, like, 80. They started accepting, like, like literal... 13 and 12-year-olds. Yeah, they accepted, like, a 12-year-old kid. Which, I'm sorry, if you're a parent and your 12-year-old is so out of control that you need to, like, send them to boarding school, you really need to, like, think about your parenting. I'm sure they're thinking about their parenting and there's nothing you can do. Oh, it accepts students age and has another campus in Southern California. Well, then they closed The Academy down has leased a 250-acre ranch formerly known as Shepherd's Ranch and the Cascade School east of Whitmore since 2009. So when we went to Cascade, that was in 2006, maybe? And it was closed. So I think it was closed from 2004 to 2009. And then this fucking lady, let's see if we can find more about what happened to her. Because this was in 2011. Oh, there's a thing called Murderpedia. (laughs) Who knew? So she was convicted of first-degree murder on June 5th, 2014. So, Redding, California, Shasta County jury found Jessica Bradford guilty of first-degree murder Friday in the death of her baby girl. The jury returned a verdict of guilty after deliberating for a day and a half. The jury returned yesterday and told the judge they were deadlocked on the issue. The judge ordered the jury to continue deliberations, leading to the unanimous verdict today. Did they determine the father with the DNA? I don't know. There's no mention of the father. There's no mention of the motive. But you've already solved this crime, Larry Shane Hall. This is wild. The trial wrapped up two weeks earlier than planned and was briefly halted during the middle of closing arguments when a juror was questioned about calling Shasta County Senior Deputy District Attorney Kelly Cafail a bitch during the questioning of witness in open court. Jeez. Then that juror was replaced. The Deputy District Attorney Kelly, the one that the juror called a bitch, said that Jessica Bradford took better care of her hamster than she did her deceased infant. I guess she had a pet hamster at the time, which I'm sorry. If you're 23 years old with a pet hamster, I'm ready to put you on trial. Instead of caring for the child, Bradford drank alcohol and ate cookies. I guess the defense just argued that she didn't really want to kill the baby. If she had really wanted to kill the baby, she would have just walked into the woods and dumped it. But she didn't do that because that's what a murderer does. And she's not a murderer. So she's mentally ill. Did they plead? No, they said then the 
prosecuting said that she's not mentally ill. Like she didn't even try and take care of this baby. Like she could have bought it. That's what she was like. She could have bought it food. She could have, she went down to the Winco like grocery store several times. Like she could have bought food. She didn't. She bought cookies and booze. And she also had a hamster that she was caring for that she kept alive, but okay, well didn't then, keep the baby alive. I the hamster comment was out of the blue. And actually I commend the lawyer. I think that, that is a valid point. Okay, who is the father of this baby, though? Why don't they care? Why aren't they even asking that question? The fa- Her boyfriend was the father. Uh. She got 25 to life. So if you don't want your baby, give it up for adoption or get a- an abortion. But I also feel like why did she hide this pregnancy? What's the point of hiding a pregnancy if you're in a long-term relationship? How can you not be considered mentally ill? I think you're making like a decision to just like, she had a motive that was like, I'm just going to hide this pregnancy and not tell anyone about it. And then I'm going to just like get rid of the baby. She just didn't want anyone to know about it. I still think like that, that her boyfriend was probably not the father. Then that school. Yeah. Then Julian Youth Academy closed and then it reopened as the Riverview Christian Academy, which is what it currently is. So at least we know that it's open and we can like go there. I liked going there when it was empty. Yeah, that, that was, was the coolest cool. thing ever. But also freaky. Very creepy, desolate, kind of a uh, post-apocalyptic, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I didn't, we've never gone up together, but so when I went up at a separate time when it was empty. Yeah, and it was empty when I went up too. So we're thinking of going in November. Now we've researched, the school's definitely open, and now we just have to like get onto the campus. I have an appointment. I mean, as far as they know, I could have, you know, a teen. A tw- yeah. You could have a 12-year-old. Oh, yikes. Yeah. We could both easy, have 12-year-olds. Easily. Easily. I think that that's our cover story if they give us... We're a lesbian couple with a 12-year-old with Dolores. With 12-year-old twins. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, we're a lesbian couple with a 12-year-old. That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know. And she is out of control. Maybe it's because she has two moms. Yeah. And then, And then also... The interesting thing is that we, as a lesbian couple, would seek out a Christian academy. No, there's tons of Christian lesbians. I know, but like we don't know if, what their religious politics are. Like, I feel like I feel like Christian academies, and this is jumping to conclusions and being judgmental, but I'm going to do it anyways. I feel like they're anti-LGBTQ, hugely. It's hard to say, but I know that... We won't know until we go there to seek help for our 12-year-old troubled preteen. You, like, jogged my memory of, like, a crazy cascade thing when you were saying that your nickname was Miss Congeniality. Uh And that reminded me of just, like... Because that was what the symposium like the final workshop the seventh of seven emotional growth workshops the longest of all the workshops wasn't it four days thursday friday saturday sunday it was a long time the longest one yeah maybe it was three what even happened in that workshop that workshop sucked ass they made they gave everyone their role that they play yeah well 
Did they do that right off the bat? I feel like that was the beginning or maybe there was like, I don't remember. Maybe there's like a running anger and I don't, I don't know, but it was a long, it was like, the, so you w- would do all these workshops that would lead up to the final workshop symposium, which was supposed to be like the greatest, most amazing thing ever that you could ever possibly go through and like crying tears of joy and, and just emotion out of it free. and just like dance and dance and dance and be like laughing until you cried. And it was like a huge secret as to what goes on in this workshop so it was four days long. All I remember is that they gave us our roles that we played. So you would file in. There was like a probably a group of like 20 of us or something. And then they go around the room. And they did this before in the youth workshop. What was your youth workshop like character? I don't remember a character for the youth workshop. Remember they had like, I remember like, one kid was like a used toilet paper salesman and like another mine was like no mine was like a ventriloquist dummy or something like that they were like what was it i can't remember exactly what it was but it was like it was like a puppet and they were like you just adopt your personality to suit all the personalities of people around you Uh, and i was like that's called having social skills i'm still very resentful of that i prescription so so they called me miss congeniality i don't remember what the youth was that was. in that was in the symposium the symposium and they made me like wear this sash yeah and like oh hi i'm fine i'm fine don't worry about me my life's fucked up but i'm just fine like that i was trying to front that i was fine when i wasn't fine and they said and like they would make you get up in front of the room of all the other students like they'd give assign everyone a role and make them wear a costume and then you'd have to act out this negative negative character that they assigned to you in and you had to do it until they decided that you had like gotten the gist of what like nailed the gig yeah like you'd have to just keep doing it until you until you they felt like you sufficiently like roasted yourself but it was like psychotic really psychotic what did you do for yours just went around and like lolled i think i was like i'm fine that's all i remember i think i was literally just saying exactly how i said it just smiling like i'm fine and then like turning around and like crying (laughs) and then turning around and smiling like hey i guess i don't know i think that i could have been so many cooler things than just miss congeniality you know like i remember they told me i was catwoman yes which i felt like i don't even know what that meant at the time i didn't understand and i still don't understand and then they made me wear jason baker set this up he did this was just wanted you to wear that this was like a psychotic sexual move on their part from this counselor that i had a crush on kind of that we got a mutual crush was we had we were really close but nothing ever happened but the boundaries that were crossed in this relationship with this counselor there were a lot of they had the same long limbs and And so they got along so they said Lara, you're Catwoman, and then made me wear a leotard that was two sizes too small and like sheer tights. And I had to crawl around the room 
being like sexy but also mean i don't know i remember being in that I moment you were hissing i don't remember maybe i was hissing <laughs> that makes more sense but if, when they called me Catwoman, i was like very confused what do I, you make of it now i don't know like i do love cats but in i remember in that moment being like oh my god i've spent almost two years at this school and these people don't know me at all and then i was like this place is fucking psychotic i was just so and i was humiliated they flew everyone well yeah so then you crawl around and do your thing first you mill about and everyone has to interact with everyone else in like costume and character then you do your little performance and i crawled around on my hands and knees and i wouldn't take off my underwear because i didn't want to have the leotard be a thong so i had like lime green underwear sticking out of the sides and i was just so humiliated and it was also like a body troll to me because i had gained weight and got really self-conscious about that when i first got to cascade by then by then i was in good shape because i was running and stuff but like the the weight gain and like i had several moments where people made comments about my body and weight and i had like meltdowns over the course of my stay at cascade like one day i think like my ex best friend from cascade made a comment about my weight and i literally had a meltdown where i like refused to go to school and like had to just like take a emotional walk around the track with like a counselor and like talk about it and then i tried to like confront this person in a forum and be like that was really rude of you to call me fat and then they just turned it around on me and they were like stop playing the victim and i was like oh and then just like wept there's so many ways you can play those forums then they like the fat shaming whatever became part of the narrative that they really like to perpetuate about me. And so then they just continually body trolled me. And then the, the leotard was like the cherry on top of a long series of body trolls. And I just remember being like, I hate everyone here and I hate this. And then, so we did that and then they horrible. It's horrible. And so you're in a room with like 20 of your peers. They all have to dress up in like some shitty costume and like roast themselves too. But then there's all the adult counselors there being like, like they wouldn't let you stop doing it until they said, okay. And then. Yeah. You weren't allowed to do anything. You were on their schedule all the time. Yeah. That was the point. So then they got to like i think there was lots of long staring into people's eyes there's That's, always a stare into people's eyes in a workshop walk around the room and look at everyone in the eyes until you can feel their i am statement mm-hmm. so we said we did that kind of stuff and then like the big like huge moment came for like the big day of like the most exciting thing ever to happen like in this workshop yeah like this is what it's all leading up to and they make you get you get back into your regular clothes and then they go around the room and you have to stand in front of everyone and then decide what your like ultimate like positive statement about yourself is and i remember mine was i am kind and responsible which i like that's like chill and truly that is like i think at the end of the day the two things I do have to work on the most. So I like, I nailed that like back then that was with no help from them and their fucking leotards. But then after you had come to like decide your positive statement, like write it on a whiteboard or something, they would put on 
I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. And then everyone else in the room would pick you up and carry you around the room while you lied on your back. And that was supposed to be like the big, amazing moment. And when it, I remember because when people would get out of this workshop, like older students and us, they'd be like, I flew this weekend. It was incredible. Like I spread my wings and I just flied. And like, we'd all be like, what are they talking about? Like flying like crazy. But that's what they were talking about was they would play an R. Kelly song and people would carry you around like some weird room. Inside of a room. Yeah. And then that was supposed to be like, wow, this made this entire journey worth it because people picked me up and carried me around a room. I just remember feeling like so disillusioned at the end of that being like, wow, I just got like crazily trolled and then like picked up and carried around and I'm supposed to be like psyched and the happiest I've ever been in my life because of this. Fuck you. How did you feel? Weren't we kind of on the same page about that? A bit anticlimactic. Let's just (laughs) say that. Okay. You know, think about me. I wanted to be there. I was looking for that fucking golden nugget of whatever there was going to be. Yeah. And there wasn't. And that was okay. But I was just like, uh, so like, now what? Because we weren't in trouble yet. We were still like, quote unquote, dirty during that experience. I forgot about that. And that was also. Oh, that's we took it away from ourselves. Yeah. Because like they would say, if you're like, if you're holding on to like your dirt or whatever, you can't really have a good workshop experience. This is just a manipulation to try and get you to like cop out on yourself and be a rat. And so, but I didn't feel like that was conflicting. I felt like I would have been weirded out by that whole situation, regardless of whether or not I had come clean about like getting drunk. We hadn't even gotten drunk yet. I don't think. I don't think because it was Cameron was was there. September. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like there was just small dirt. It wasn't like we had cheeked meds, but and like tried to snort Benadryl. I went to San Francisco and intentionally missed a flight so I could stay overnight and in San Francisco and hang out with Roz. Oh yeah, I remember that. And didn't tell anyone and then I just like it was it was another in-depth con that included me choosing to call my mom from a payphone because I didn't have a cell phone, mm-hmm. obviously. Call my mom from a payphone at the time of boarding so that I was on the phone with her she wouldn't think that I was intentionally doing it if I was on the phone Scammer. with her. So I was talking to her and then I literally looked at the ticket and pretended like I realized right at that moment, mom, I just missed the flight home. I can't believe this. <laughs> I just saw this and it's, it says this is the boarding time, not the, not the departure time or whatever. And, uh, but wouldn't, if it was the boarding time, it or, would be what, well, I made the right. So I said, you know, this is the departure time, not the boarding time. And, uh, and then I went and because I was underage, the airport gave me a hotel room and they <laughs> gave, they gave me a shuttle to a hotel for free and I was 17. Wait, you, they hook you up for free when you're underage? I don't know why I got a hotel room, but I got a hotel room in San Francisco and I immediately called from the hotel and Roz and Brooke. Kusi show up. Oh my God, yes. They had recently just either been kicked out or left or graduated from the program. And this was in June. So like they were like the grade above us or whatever, the graduate mm-hmm. class above us. 
and we just like went out all night and somehow ran into Sam Kingery out there or something mm-hmm. and maybe saw some other like boarding school people and whoa there were a lot in the bay area it was a major bay area all i know is like i left them hung over in that hotel room and i was like i got to go catch my flight in the morning the next morning <laughs> So that was hilarious. I love that. Yeah. And then I just snuck out with my boyfriend and like hooked up in the woods, but we didn't even have sex. We actually had like a amazing sexual experience that was like fun and romantic. And I felt really good about it and felt no shame about it at all, which is one of the few times in my life that like I've had a sexual experience like that. So I was like, I don't have anything to like cop out for or apologize for. Like, yeah, this is, this was beautiful. Yeah, this was great. And I loved it. So <sighs> you're just rubbing it in. <laughs> <laughs> I may have also had a crush on said boyfriend of Laura's <laughs> and resent Laura to this day. Are you still mad at me because of that? No, no, I just am jealous. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. but rest in power yeah he too has passed away now so so i can be outward about my crush yeah so yeah but yeah that was a big that was a huge disappointment the symposium and i think that's why also when we finally did like get in trouble and stuff oh, like does i i was true in fuck it mode because i was like you guys are the uh, the biggest con artists around here not jocelyn it's y'all and then like and i will get drunk thank you very much yeah i am um, i just think it's really interesting to try and even think about what it would be like if we hadn't endured this program you know thinking about psychologically how we would perceive basically i consider being at cascade for 2 years like my doctorate in psychology yeah I mean, I I think it gave both of us like a really high emotional intelligence that I did not have prior to going to Cascade. Uh, For me, it was less about my intelligence and more about my understanding of the variety of the other people. Mm -hmm. Like, like for, for me, it was like the study of, oh, these traumas translate into these behaviors. Yeah. And seeing like, seeing how different people respond to trauma mm-hmm. you know it can be the same trauma but people turn it into so many different things and like yes that was emotional intelligence but also not less about myself and more about the world around me yeah definitely which is like i guess that's that age as well but it was just like in a hyperbaric chamber but i think also it's like i don't know because i agree like i feel like i also had a better understanding of like the way people react to things or people's personalities and like cause and effect of trauma and stuff. But like on a personal level, I feel like it gave me, it gave us a lot of these tools that at the time, I think you're kind of really, you're still really young and your brain is still developing. So it's kind of hard to grasp, but then you, they are like really important tools for like, being able to live your life but then a lot of it was also i think overwhelming for me because it's like i entered there with a certain set of problems and then left there with a different set of problems the the trauma-based or treatment-based trauma yeah and then also just like different anxieties and like 
well, I don't necessarily need to know about everybody's, like learning about everybody's trauma when you're 16 and you hear about a hundred other people's, all the fucked up shit they did. I didn't need my like well tainted with all of that poison. Mm-hmm. You know, I would might be better off, you know, just sticking with my own poisons and not having to know that much, you know? There's something to be said for being able to like, focus on yourself and only yourself and have a lot of space just dedicated to your own healing and yeah, people in go an on institution yoga now. yeah like in an institution like that you're sharing that kind of healing space with like a hundred other students or at any given time like you don't get one-on-one time with anyone in like a therapy way unless you're like paying to see a therapist at that school like the rest of the time you're in these like forums or group therapy sessions and you're just like either getting screamed at or screaming at someone else or like someone's breaking down and sobbing over XYZ that happened to them. And it's like it, you might get a dedicated space of like 10 minutes to like talk about shit that's really going on in your life or in your past. And then you have to do it with an audience. You don't just do it with like one-on-one with a counselor. I took forums as an opportunity to practice my counseling skills. <laughs> I loved forums for that. I was like, oh, cool. Well, who are you going to indict today? I'd love to see if I could switch into your you know, thing and support you. Yeah. You know, like it turned into a game at a certain point because that's when that's your reality. For me, it was all about making the best of, you know, making the best of any circumstance. And that's what they hated. Yeah. Well, forums too. Like, I remember I would get so certain ones were really boring. Like you, if you got in like a bad forum, it's like you're just Bob, sitting there three hours, like a Bill McKnight forum. That's exactly. I was gonna say Bob. It's Bill McKnight. There was forum. one counselor that was known for like they would just like a forum was when three times a week you could request you could write down a request if you had a problem with someone like if i had a problem with jocelyn i was not supposed to confront her about it in real life i was supposed to write her name down on a piece of paper and then write down the name of like three other people that were also having a problem with her and involved that could back me up and then like the staff would go through all the forum requests and then build these like group therapy sessions based on like who was being requested or like the issues at hand or who was getting in trouble. So like if some, like if Jocelyn had gotten in like crazy trouble that week, you'd know there would be a forum where she was just going to get railed and that was going to be the most exciting one. And like, so I start and like anyone that was just like, a newbie or just like had no drama or was just like a whatever would end up going in this counselor named Bill McKnight's forums and his forums were known to be just the most fucking boring. It's three hours of just going around a circle and him making everyone like talk for like 10 minutes about their life. And he, it would be like pulling teeth out of teens. Like you'd answer like yes or no questions and then like talk about like, the sky being blue or something. It was like the, it was awful. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say our favorite part was when people would transition into their cry face. Yeah. Cry face. (laughs) There was always a moment. So the exciting forums, I started to learn, like I want to get in on this action 24 seven. So I would just start requesting whoever I knew was like having the most drama of any week and just trying to like piggyback on like whatever. So I could get in there and like bear witness to it. Cause like 
if you're not in trouble, but you're watching someone else that's in huge trouble get screamed at, it's like the most exciting, amazing the thing. entertainment that you're going to get. Yeah. And then everyone, because like the whole thing, it starts with one person like... You can't sit next to whoever's being... You have to be two chairs away. Yeah, you have to be at least two chairs away from them. So, like, someone would get up and cross in front of, like, so-and-so, and then you'd be like, oh, my God, it's about to go down. Yes, and then I forgot about this. They would start by being like, I just think it's bullshit that you, like, you have such a bad attitude lately, like... You're not carrying your weight in the dorm and... And then, like, someone else would get up and cross and they'd be like, yeah, and fuck you for what you said to me, like, in the dining hall. Like, you called me, like, a little bitch and, like, you're the fucking bitch. And then, like, the forum... like Facilitator. Facilitator would then hop in and sometimes it would be, like, the head of the school and she or her husband and they were the craziest, like, meanest... They just knew how to like cut you to your core. Like literally this woman, Barb, would just say, Barb Cass would like, could look at you and be like, "Mm mm-hmm. And you'd be like, "Uh I had a flashback that I wanted to share. As you're talking about the symposium, just about her. We We were trying to figure out what my negative statement was. And it was really hard to figure out. But Barb was there. And the heroes. I think so. Upstairs. And she was like, I know what it is, Jocelyn, and you just don't want to say it, do you? I'm having nauseous she was like, chills. She was like, it's called self-loathing. You hate yourself, and you're not going to admit it to anybody, are you? Because it's too dark, and it's too dirty. You know, like, all the way. I'm like, She loved a dark and dirty <laughs> <laughs> narrative. I'm like, okay, self-loathing is my I am statement. I got it, Barb. Perfect. I hate myself. Thanks. My mother never loved me. Whatever. Okay? Like, thank you. No, she was a fucking savage. (laughs) And if you ended up on, like, the receiving end of her, like, just hateful, nasty, nasty, like, she could dismantle just about anyone. Like, she had some sort of, I've never met, I've never seen another person with the kind of skill Maybe actually this like frenemy that we've referred to a couple of times, she had a very similar thing where she could just be so cutting and like hurtful. But like, I've never met someone that was, that just had that skill to where they could say one thing to you and it would just like break you. She had been practicing. And, and I, I mean, she like came up in these pr- types of programs. But this is what causes the treatment based trauma is when these people in power get to a place when they're not compassionate anymore and they're just asserting their ego Mm -hmm. and they're asserting like, Oh, well this is my opinion of the situation. And now like laying their opinion on you, they're power moving you, power moving you. But, but like that's, it's when that ego goes into that narcissistic state, that's when the trauma happens. Yeah. So Barb would just like, then she would jump in on whoever was getting yelled at. She'd fucking rail you until you were a like a blubbering puddle. puddle. Like, and there's always a moment and Jocelyn and I would like often just request, we started just requesting each other in forums <laughs> so that we could be in the same one because once like the whole, the reaction that typically went down, if you were getting like confronted in a forum is at first you're like surly and you're just like, whatever, like, fuck you. I don't care what you say. Like, shut up or like trying to just like defend yourself. Like, well, I was just trying to do this and like, she got in my way. 
Yeah, blah, like, blah, stop blah. being so sensitive. Like, what the fuck? Like, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you are, little bitch. And then Barb would get involved. And she had just, like, a short haircut and was just, like, fox-like reflexes. And then she would start picking away at you. And, like, she'd just start chipping away at your defenses until she'd hit the nerve that she was going for. And then there would be the moment that you and I loved the most, not to experience ourselves, but to watch other people, which was the cry face crumple (laughs) (laughs) where someone just goes from like defensive, like in their power, like defending themselves to just like can't take it anymore. And their face just like melts and Uh... (laughs) and your daddy didn't show up for you, did he? Yeah. yeah, and then, so then Barb How bad did it get? Yeah, Barb would find like the one thing she'd magically find a way to like connect use baby words. Yeah, she'd connect you not pulling your weight with like dorm chores to like your father abandoning you when you were little, when you were three, or like you being up for adoption when you were two. Like somehow connect that, make you feel so bad about it, and then you'd cry. You'd be like, <laughs> be like and then she'd go, then she'd go. It was bad, wasn't it? How bad did it get? And you would be like, it got bad. And then she'd be like, and no one loved you, did they? And then you'd be oh, like, they did it. I'm having a Mary. I'm having a Mary. I feel like you're channeling Mary. I am channeling Mary because I can't even be as mean as Barb was. Like, it's impossible. Oh, my for gosh. Me. So if, was if there was, was a the TV meanest. show, I would want to play Barb. I'll yeah. cut my hair for that. So Barb was like the mean one, but then there was this other like old school. I called her Miss Muffin. Mary. And she was a little more sympathetic. Like she was still, she could still cut, but she wasn't as mean about it. Like Velvet I think glove. she did have like, she had more empathy. And so when you started crying after she broke you, she'd be like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And then like, Make these sounds, and then sometimes she would cry, and then the whole point was like get you to, to blubber, cry face mode, and then they would just be like they'd break you and then leave the, you there. No, they then then after the forum, after she broke you down, then you'd get like a you'd see like Barb like huddling next to some kid that she just wrecked a new yeah. one, and she'd be like, "You did good." She, Oh, and then she'd like be rubbing their back all maternally, like, yeah, you're okay now, though. You're safe now. You know, like, didn't you ever get this like post, post trauma coddling? Sometimes, but it was also. I watched it happen. I had it happen to myself, and I was just like, why are you pretending to care about me right now? Yeah. And so we had talked about this on, I think, the first episode that we did together, but it was all that kind of forum therapy was based off of this like treatment that originated in this cult called Synanon. And when I talked about that, one of the readers emailed me a link to the, my favorite murder podcast and they had done an episode about Synanon. So I listened to it and it's really fucking crazy. So, I mean, I know to plug that podcast because literally it's like the most successful podcast of all time. But if you don't happen to listen to it and you want a little backstory and get a sense of like what we went through to some extent, you should listen and I'll forward you the yeah. episode because it was really fascinating. The like all the synonym stuff because like they in this cult, they would do these things called it wasn't called it was called the game. And so the game was you would 
sit in a circle and you'd confront people and just like scream at them and yell at them and like call them names and basically like emotionally berate them them until they broke and then kind of build them back up from there. And like a lot of people started like a lot of like celebs and like people like influencers back in the sixties and seventies would go to like Synanon to like play the game. Cause it was like really popular back in the sixties and seventies. And so that's where all the forum, that's where the idea for forums came from. And that's like what they're based off of. It's fucking crazy. So anyways, I love that. I, I love the forums. I love it, but I'm also like, Oh, Oh, yeah whoops i wish i could like have a time machine and go back and see what i got yelled at for because i feel like one time it was for like bad attitude but then we got yelled at a bunch when like we got in trouble shit yeah you're full of shit i you know i only remember the the real real big one that i remember was when my guitar got broken in the boys dorms and you know, I was supposed to confront someone that had broken my guitar. Mm-hmm. And I just was kind of uncomfortable. Like, so they were like, well, they broke your guitar. You need to confront them and find out if you're upset about it. And I was really not, wa- I'm not very confrontational. Yeah. Don't care for that. <laughs> um, hence the yoga practice over here. And I it was just like, well, I mean, even though I tried to threaten to kill you, but either that way. Was different. You were mad about time. that. That was, it was allowed to be mad about that. Yeah. So basically got turned on me. Like the, the fact that I wouldn't like go off on someone, like what does that say about me? Or I'm like not showing up, you know, like showing up oh, for yeah. myself. And then I got yelled at for not showing up for myself mm-hmm. instead of the person who had taken the last gift from my father, the, this guitar and played like football with it in the backyard of the boys dorms or something. Yeah. I got, um, I remember in like my early cascade, like my first year, I loved yelling at people in forums. I got like really hyped up on just like going off at people. It was a good release. It, it was, was a good adrenaline release. release. It was good like rage and a good way to like, if you had a problem with someone that you considered to be like a real dum dumb, you could really take it out on them in that environment. And so that was like kind of pleasing. But then that halfway point hit and I just remember being like, everyone at the school is full of shit. Nothing matters anymore. And like, just trying to survive. Yeah. What the fuck am I doing here even? And then that's when it became like, I was on guard a lot because once you, once you kind of have cracked the code, you become a target. Well, and that's maybe why I'm so obsessive right now with my work environment and these people that I want to confront. And I don't have a venue to be like, I'm not cool with this. I want to have a forum at my work. Yeah. I like have definitely stepped into a space of being comfortable with confronting people about things that I feel uncomfortable with or like thoughts that I have. Totally. Or like if that, I mean, there's a If ways. I feel like a boundary has been like crossed or like a line has been crossed, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, comfortable with saying something i'm gonna see if you see something say something kind of person and that's what i actually i get a lot of feedback that i'm too transparent or that it's too in your face too much Mm -hmm. and and so i'm that's what i'm working on right now is like well i feel like maybe that is where a lot of this transparency is has come from 
is being forced to be in an environment where you're crystal clean or crystal clear all the time. Yeah. For two years of like, and there are, I feel like genuinely at this point in my life, I've made peace with a lot of the, the con artist and the liar and the, you know, aggressor, um, in myself. But I, I noticed that, I don't know if I could just have a few more tools Sometimes, sometimes I just get overwhelmed still. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's also just uncomfortable for some people. Like some people do not confront and they just like shove down their feelings and then resentments build up and then explode in like a really unfortunate way. Totally. And and, and I don't I think that that's you. No, 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 no. But I think that but I understand wanting to be like more wanting to just feel more empowered or emboldened to say what you need to say. It's hard when you're in a position of power and you want to be diplomatic and kind to everybody, but also hold the standard. Mm -hmm. It's really, really, really bizarre. I pretty much am the man now. I'm the oppressor now, (laughs) you know, like the roles have, have switched. So I, I feel like I'm being perceived that way. And I'm like, this is really cool. This is a cool opportunity. I wish I had a forum to get indicted in right now, but no one's calling me out on my shit. So I'm just gonna, you know, explore it. I feel like I never really was able to like understand what was so bad about what they were telling me about my personality. <laughs> I and maybe don't that's, at all. Maybe that's my problem. And maybe that's like my own narcissism and ego. But like, I think back and I'm like, okay, well, you gave you said that I was like, this like, puppet lady or puppet master or whatever the fuck you called it i have to find out the exact name because now this is going to drive me crazy but you said that i just like change up my personality so okay so what maybe i want to be accepted and like maybe that's like shoving down my needs in order to be accepted by the greater group which i have done in my life but like ultimately i think that that's become a skill because what i do for a living now is like talk to people and like work with people in that extent so it's actually like a great thing and then Catwoman, i just can't remember aside from just trying to humiliate me in a leotard like what that was related to i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. What is like, if you think about the Batman movie with Michelle Catwoman's Pfeiffer. hot in that movie. It's Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> but she's kind of detached. Well, she's mentally ill. She like falls off a bill. Like, doesn't she get like she's sexually dead. harassed at work? And then her boss or someone tries to like throw her off a building or out a window or something. She lands in the alley. Her. The cats lick her. She comes back to life as this like very damaged, kind of psychotic, evil woman. So maybe they were trying to say that I'm like traumatized and now i've i'm like living from my trauma but in a slinky way i love that yes 
Yes, I think you're finally getting it. I am like a little hiss sometimes. I'm a hiss more often than not. I like to have like a hiss moment. But it's hard. I wish that like everyone I knew now, like my group of friends could also go through this and get assigned their own whatever crazy bullshit characters so that we could like loll about it. Because like the unfortunate thing is there's a bit maybe like 0.5% less than 0.5% of like the entire people that we'll ever know in our lives, like have had this kind of experience. So it's like, and I feel like it's so insular. It's like, I don't remember, like I remember bits and pieces of like your character thing, but I can't like tell you anything that they were really saying to you or yeah. anything. Cause you're just so focused on yourself. And I can't even remember like things about myself. It's just weird. Anyways, I'm excited for our journey to go up and fucking see what it's up now. What's up? There's a tree that I really like to climb. The giving tree? The giving tree. The best. I named every branch on that tree. I love that. And and I want to go to that secret. There's a secret spot with the creek. Oh, yeah. I hooked up there. (laughs) (laughs) It was my secret spot. Now it's taken away. The giving tree was also a really good makeout spot. I made out there. The loop. The loop. That was too like dusty. The loop was like a two mile trail that you could run around on, but you had to run with a partner because there were mountain lions. And so, but that was like too dusty. It wasn't a good hookup spot. As we've reflected these past few weeks on the school, it's really bringing to my awareness like, what I've started in Long Beach, this like emotional growth community center, mm-hmm. the pieces that I'm trying to bring the good pieces. Like I, my key healings that I remember from the school was Kathy Zavada meditation, mm-hmm. uh, going to yoga and like, I think I've just tried to block out all of this negative shit and really just try and recreate them because there was a piece of it that was so comforting. Yeah. I mean, for years, and I probably would still, I've had dreams about just going back. I had a dream last night about going back. <laughs> but but like, actually, there, there was also living a, there, being there. I took the rat with me and I went to Cascade. Dead rat? The dead rat, but it was alive still. And we went back to Cascade and I was like trying to move in and like situate this rat. It was like a whole thing. It was weird. There's a lot of guilt on the conscience. There's so much guilt. Ga- There's rat. so much rat guilt. Um, but and what are the odds that the story about you being a rat and I now know, you're plagued by rats? I know. it's The symbolism is not lost on me. But I think what I took away, because I very much see you like having taken away the things like that informed so much of who you are now. And for me, I feel like I, that a lot of what I took away was like the laughter that and like the community, the community and like just having friends that you can laugh with in like really hardcore, like tough periods of your life. And also I kind of, I appreciated the fact that like everyone there had like a backstory or had gone through something horrible. Like there was such a sense of like, you didn't, I didn't feel very lonely there a lot. No. Barring the time that I had like a depressive cycle moment. And then like prior to getting on medication, when that is just like my life state, when I'm in that is like being very lonely and isolated and feeling very lonely and isolated. But like 
that was mostly two years of just like being around your best friends all the time. You wake up and the first people you get to see are your best friends. You're just making jokes all the live long day. And make each other laugh. And under like the worst circumstances yeah, under ever. Terrible circumstances. But that's like what ups the lol stakes and how you like. We had an areola contest. <laughs> I'm not going to say who won. Wait, what was the area? Was I part of the areola contest? No, no, no. I guess you weren't in Galadriel at those those times. Mm -mm. But the stories you'd hear from the boys' dorms to the girls' dorms about like the creative things that these people have come up with, you know, when you're when you're kind of incarcerated, what you but you have a little bit of freedom. I found it really really entertaining. But also trek, trek, learning how to survive in the wilderness or semi. With a very like cush backpack that they fill with all the things that you need, like with yeah. duct tape that's like pre-cut to the size you're going to use it. Well, I the, think that that like experiencing nature in that way and feeling like connected with connected nature. with nature and excited about it instead of being like trolled by like bugs and like dirt was like a Major very exciting gift. twist. Yeah, and. For me, though, rem- Suki chose the school, though, my mom, Suki, because she was into all of this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, which was a strange component. Yeah. Like, I feel like your parents weren't like, your parents aren't like new age. No. Why? We how could they it, choose this school? We had an educational consultant. So that when you, have, that you were new age, when you get in trouble as a teen and your parents are starting to look to like send you away somewhere, they hire an educational consultant who like is the liaison between these types of programs and the parents who are looking to place their child. So they take into account like what the problems are and they implement like a strategy. So this educational consultant met with me and my dad because I knew I wanted to like get sent away. I like had agreed to go somewhere, but I just didn't know what was really happening. And she sat us down and like showed us a vi- She was like trying to get me to get sent to wilderness beforehand and showed me like a video of a wilderness program. And I was just like, this bitch is out of her fucking mind. If she thinks I'm going to go hike around in the woods for like six weeks and like cut down trees and like run around with logs. Like, no. And then she showed us like, then she was like, oh, this school's in California. And I was like, sick, let's do it. Any way to get out here. Yeah. But it's a wild journey. I want to know what the readers have to say today. Let's do some reader mail. That was a good transition. We're learning how to lull aloud. Dear Lara and Co., Hey babes, longtime reader, first time writer. I'm babying out in every which way right now and I thought I'd write in and get some hot takes. I moved to New Orleans right after undergrad to pursue my dreams of pop stardom while simultaneously working as an unlicensed social worker for a law office that represents people on death row. Lol. My job involved a lot of driving to and from maximum security prisons, visiting clients, inmates, and their families, and pretty much being immersed in prison bureaucracy 24-7. Side note, you're in Jocelyn's Tales of Therapeutic Boarding School gave me major prison vibes. The stolen CD being illegally passed around the girls, the rise and fall of Cameron, the snorting of the antihistamines, the manipulation, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, lots of readers have demanded to hear Cameron's side of the story. Oh my gosh, if Cameron Schwanitz was called to action, I would I wish I could just give her a call right now. I know. I don't I need we need to find Cameron and we find need her Cameron side of Schwanitz. Story. Yeah, if you find her, tell her we're interested in hearing her side of the story. Michigan, Michigan. Justice for Cameron. 
I quickly realized I just didn't have the time nor the emotional bandwidth to spend all day entrenched in the true horrors and corruptions of the criminal justice system. And then Moonlight as a budding soul slash R&B singer. My days became a begrudging routine of wake up, prison, housewives, repeat. One day there was a hiccup in my routine. I woke up to a few missed calls from my mom. Dad's dead. Come home. I went home to Michigan for a few weeks and was eager to get to NOLA and back to my work and my routine. Wake up, prison, housewives, repeat. You know, it was all too much. My responsibilities to my clients, my community, my grief, myself, I was falling apart. It got to the point where I couldn't enjoy the charm and magnificence of the city anymore. The music, the bumpy streets, the oak and beaded lined avenues, the brightly painted homes and the characters that inhabited them. I became so depressed and ultimately suicidal that in October 2017, I had to leave my job, my dreams and my life behind and move back home with my grieving mother in Michigan. Flash forward around eight months and I'm happy. I'm healthy. I have a prescription for Xanax. Things are looking up. I get a phone call from my old boss's office asking me if I'd be interested in coming to town for a few weeks to train a new staff member. Fuck yes. Redemption tour. I was so excited to get a chance to do it all over again and ultimately reclaim some of these painful memories. I get to NOLA on Wednesday and it's completely chic. Go into work the next day, get touted around like I'm a legitimate rock star, everyone praising my skills and talking about how amazing and healthy and happy I look. I'm a star. I take a long solo stroll down St. Charles and do a streetcar journey to the French Quarter with you and Ed babing out in my headphones naturally, vaping and lolling my way through town. I started making a list of all the things I couldn't wait to do while I was visiting, most of them involving going on some sort of walk or bike ride and really enjoying the lush greenery here. By Saturday night, things were really starting to look up. I went on a party bus with all my best gals and gays and was finally ready to celebrate and enjoy the parts of New Orleans that didn't have to do with death. I'm off the bus for two full blocks before walking directly into a small foot-shaped hole, the perfect size for me to tragically and incredibly painfully re-sprain my ankle. The next day, I rallied and put on my best New Orleans looks and made my way to the Southern Decadence Parade, injured ankle and toe. Unclear what all happened after shot 15, I'd say, but it resulted in me passed out, vomiting on myself on the side of the road, a major scene involving law enforcement, medical personnel, alcohol poisoning, and me being slapped in the face by a crust punk mistaking me for a friend overdosing on heroin. Babe? I finally make my way back to my boss's house where I'm staying this whole time, of course, and just sleep in my own filth and vomit my way through the next 24 hours. I prop up my ankle throughout the day, thinking it'll be better by tomorrow and I'll be able to truly redeem myself from my troll of a weekend, get back in control of my life and begin my New Orleans liberation moment. So none of this is what happened. My ankle continued to get worse and troll the living daylight out of me. I have a little cast and crutches from urgent care, but have to rely on public transportation because biking isn't an option, which results in me staying in and doing very little. Work is the same shit show it always was, and I'm instantly reminded of why I left in the first place. I begin having daily panic attacks all whilst trying to teach this cute little girl how to do her job and assure her she'll be able to handle it when I'm pretty sure she won't. I don't feel close enough to ask anything of anyone here and feel burdensome when I try. All I do is hobble to and from the bus stop I go to to go to and from my prison job to go to and from my boss's house where I watch housewives till I fall back asleep and do it all over again. Sound familiar? I'm right back to the same feelings of helplessness, loneliness, worthlessness, and babelessness I was the last time I was here. Where my freak ankle accident and alcohol poisoning moment my first few days back in town, my body slash the source giving me signs that I need to get the fuck out? Is New Orleans just a forever troll for me? Territory I shouldn't attempt to take on? Have any of you babes had moments like this? 
were you finally able to have an opportunity to address and try and get closure on something painful from your past only for things to seemingly fall right back apart again? How many nulls is a person supposed to endure in one area of their life before they call it quits and just let sleeping dogs lie? Love, light, and gratitude. Whew, fuck. Fully loaded. This is Herbie fully loaded. I mean, yes, first off, I've definitely had this situation happen to me pretty much multiple times. I think kind of in a lot of ways, we're destined to kind of repeat the same mistakes until we learn from them. And it sounds like that's what you're doing right now. It's classic pattern repeat. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, you've been through a crazy grief twist. That's like, I don't, I don't know what to make of that because I have not, gone through that but you've gone through that i have and i've i don't know i think that when you're in that state of grief everything you're seeing everything through a certain lens that will feel can you fill me in what a null is a null is just the opposite of a lol that's i i was i was catching i just want to make sure that i've got the 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 lingo lingo yeah 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 but Pretty much everything is a null mm-hmm. when when you're in that like shock grief state. So I invite it having more to do with mindset than anything else. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their own stuff. But I think that it really more than anything else, it has to do with, well, you can perceive it as something that is shitty or you can perceive it as... How do I rise again? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I find the gift? How do I find the lesson in this teacher? Also, it's like, maybe you're not supposed to be in New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a great city. Love it. Like, fun to visit. But like, I think that it encourages a lot more babe behavior than like babe behavior. And like, I understand I understand feeling like the first time around you might have fucked it up or like fell into a weird slump and like you want to go back and like show yourself that you can have it all and do pursue your dream. But maybe this is just not the place for you to be pursuing that dream. And alcohol is usually not a good combination. Yeah. I mean, alcohol is a, Definitely drinking is a coping mechanism that I that a lot of the time for me makes things worse rather than better. And and also pet- like perpetuates the negative mindset. Yeah. That's more than any that's really and well, people you call get- it depression or whatever, but literally or you just wake up kind of grumpy, hungover, that is that is what is promoting that negative mindset. Yeah. So and anxiety. I mean that's the only reason I can drink as much as I do. It's because I know how to combat the negative mindset. <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink as much. I, I, I don't I, even drink as I much just, anymore. I just because yeah. I really, I, my body has started to reject. When I have alcohol, my body's like, you've had three beers. You're going to throw up now. Yeah, mine is like a three drink. It's like three drinks, take a break, then have like, I think over the course of one night, I'm going to fucking kill this dog. Side note, I'm just going to murder it. I'm going to just have any end its life. These neighbors let this dog just sit on their balcony and it barks all fucking night. And I know they're home because the balcony is open. They don't leave. So like, do they just, I'm always like, 
do they just love the sound of this dog's bark and they just sit there and like relish in the sound of their dog going fucking nuts all the time? I don't get it. I don't like dogs. Is the dog barking at the rats? That's what I think too. Can we get a, a cat over here to do some rat killing? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe a cat woman? <laughs> <laughs> I think get yourself out of New Orleans and get out of this job. And there are plenty of other cities where you can do this. I just went to Tennessee and got a really chill vibe from Tennessee, Nashville to be specific. And I think you could pursue your dreams of soul singing R&B anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. You could do it in Detroit, maybe. I don't know, actually, what like Detroit is. You could do it anywhere. You, do it you from, do it anywhere, you do it from but your you don't. House apartment. And guess what? You're not like a failure just because you went to New Orleans and had a prison job that didn't agree How with you. How long has she been there? Did she, does it say? I don't know, but I think she's you're she's young and like. Once I sold all of my belongings and right after undergrad, so this is like you know I feel like she's like 25 right now. You're a baby and like this is what happens in the beginning. You have to follow what feels good unless you want a life that feels like shit. And and this is when I sold all my belongings to move to Switzerland with a one-way ticket to Switzerland and I lasted two weeks, (laughs) all my belongings, everything, you know, and I had anxiety. I, I was having suffering from severe anxiety because I was squatting in an office building in Zurich with a person that I was not emotionally safe with, but that I had chose to go there. And, and I didn't want to just, I didn't want to turn back. I was younger. I was 21. Mm-hmm. But still, I was embarrassed that I was like, Oh, I didn't last out here or whatever. But it, really just being able to get rid of everything or make that shift or show yourself that you can get out there and do it, do that until it doesn't feel good anymore. And then when it doesn't feel good anymore, you do what feels right yeah not what your your ego is trying to prove something to somebody yeah you know it's like what what are you wanting in this life are you wanting to prove something your whole life or do you want to align with what truly feels good to you so you can have that best life Mm -hmm. you're not a failure for having this like bump in the road you're not a failure for spraining your ankle or even like getting too drunk and like vomiting on yourself and having that crest punk slap you like these are all just like stepping stones that are showing you what works for you and what doesn't work for showing you. Showing you to take space, telling yeah. you to and slow And right down. now, I would venture to say that this combo doesn't work for you. No. And that's fine. You don't, and you're not giving up. It's not giving up or the end of a chapter or anything by saying like, this didn't, I wanted this so bad, but it didn't suit me. And like, am I throwing in the towel? It's just like you're wringing out the towel and letting it dry and like become fluffy again. Moving forward. And move forward. Is this serving you? No. Are you feeling supported? No. And also, yeah, it's like very concerning. I worry about the fact that like, it just seems like a red flag that you've slid back into these old patterns, but also feel like you have no one to like reach out to or lean on. That's like, except, Babe? Yeah, that's getting into red flag territory because I can only do so much. If you anonymously have to reach out via babe, then it might be time for you to make a change. Like, I appreciate it. I'm here for you always. But like, also make a change and get yourself to a place where you have a support system. Or, yeah, take care of yourself. Yeah. Go Go get massaged. 
pamper yourself, give yourself some love. What I'm hearing is a lot of depleting activity Mm -hmm. and especially being surrounded with prison energy. No offense to anybody in prison, more power to you, but the energy of incarceration and what that can do on your psyche and your soul. Yeah. Um, You're like making yourself a prisoner of your own life right now. Which if you can't help but rub up against, if you're rubbing up against all of that all the time, then that's what you, you have to do some intense auric spray after a day at work. You know? Yeah. You definitely need this sage spray that I got from the wish list. I'll link you. Keep us updated. Send in. Let me know where you end up. And it's going to be okay. You're going to do great. Yeah. This I have is a mantra. The first step. Does she want a mantra? Yeah. Give her the mantra. So I'm hearing a little bit of lack-mindedness in this, a little bit of fear. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm, I'm, that vibration is seeking uh, abundance, the the security of abundance. So I call on Lakshmi, mm-hmm. the uh, god or goddess. I don't even know right now. She's a goddess. Goddess of abundance. And this Lakshmi mantra removes any obstacles from you being aligned with your true abundance. What does abundance look like? I'm not talking about cash money hoes. I'm talking about abundance in the sense of having all the love that you need to fill your heart, having all the happiness, all the inspiration, feeling abundant richly in your soul um, or whatever it is that keeps us alive. Um, So I'll do it for one moment. Okay. See if I remember. Om Shreem Kleem Maha Lakshmi Swaha Do that a hundred and eight times. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was going to be a singing mantra. That's the only way I know how to do it. I love it. Also, I just have to say, I saw one thing that really stuck out to me in this email that's like, you said, flash forward eight months, you're happy, healthy, and like doing good. And then you get the opportunity to go back into this place that like was kind of a null for you. And that's something to think about. That's something that I do a lot. Just cutting on yourself. Yeah. Where I get to a good place or make a lot of progress in one way or another. And then my immediate instinct is to backslide out of that somehow self-sabotage yeah and so that's something i've had to really look at and learn about myself and like over the course of me going from being like you know 24 and moving to la and going through all the series of like ups and downs that i've been through and now i'm 34 and really like taking accountability for like my role in the most like troll of situations. I mean, it's, I just think it's cool that you're asking yourself these questions at this age and it's all going to be okay. You got this. Hi, Lara, huge fan of the pod and super happy to be here. I've been reading all summer and while I have still have a few eps to finish, I needed to write you in hopes for some much needed love and light background. I'm your typical Brooklyn baby navigating and life in NYC while embracing some long-term yet typically lighthearted depression and anxiety. These are things I've dealt with since I was 13 and have always been super babe at embracing and working through. But as the subject line hints, I had a full on babe meltdown in my apartment over the weekend. 
Waves of soul-shattering loneliness are something me and everyone that lives in NYC deal with from time to time, triggered by all sorts of different things, but always something you overcome. I'm at a time in my life where I have a great job, a killer apartment, and a great neighborhood, two things that are VV hard to come by in this hellhole, but neither of those things are bringing me the joy I deserve. Why, you ask? That would be because of all my friends who have been become incredibly busy and wrapped up in their own lives. Last year, we all got important jobs and were dating people and our hangouts became less frequent, which was bearable. And we all tried to get together whenever we could. But after a tough breakup with my ex-boyfriend in January, the absence of my friends became impossible to ignore. I've been trying to make space for myself in their busy lives, but I have this gross feeling in my stomach that makes me feel like I'm no longer a priority to them. Fast forward to Saturday night. I was at a party with some newer friends I've made in an effort to fill my life with joy, and we were having a blast. Everyone was living, laughing, and loving, and all was well until I got a little tired and decided to head home. On my way to the train, that all that all too familiar feeling of loneliness crept in. I hadn't seen my two best friends in weeks, and there was no sign of seeing them soon. I've also been seeing a new guy the past month, and he just started filming a short film which will keep us from seeing each other for the next couple weeks. By the time I got home, I was in full panic attack mode and couldn't breathe. I was crying harder than I have in years, and for the first time in my life, I felt like I wanted to die. This is where you come in. I remembered an episode you did with Ryan about mental health where you gave a PSA saying that those feelings aren't normal and that help is definitely needed when you're being a gnawler like that. So now it's Monday. I'm reaching out to doctors and therapists to get my emotions on track, and I have you to thank for that. But any advice on dealing with all my busy-ass friends, and how do I navigate this budding romance while I also begin this mental health journey? Well, good on you. Yeah, good for you. I'm excited. That's that's like... Asking for help is the whole thing. Yeah, you have to do it. And when you have the willingness, then you're on the right path. Yeah. Like, and every, this is the first step to like things getting so much better, like within a matter, like a very short amount of time. Um, friends are hard to keep in touch with the older you get, which is depressing, depressing. <laughs> and it's shitty, but that's just like the way life is like, their responsibility you're gonna have different responsibilities some people get in serious relationships or families or have jobs that take away their time i have like one of my best friends i feel like i i mean jocelyn you and i don't get to see each other like ever we only have here yeah and like even another one of my best friends has started a new job and like i haven't seen her in forever i'm just glad to hear that it's someone that doesn't have a family that feels the same way because i feel this way and i think it's more of the age yeah. than it is anything else i'm 32 and i've been very social for the last 15 years and i've been married for three years now and i was like is this because i'm married mm-hmm. um but I think it's just part of the age. Everyone's maturing into their own little pods. And that's why people start focusing on their self-care so much and their self-worth. Because um, when we start to explore those caverns that feel dark and, and desolate, uh, I think you're on the right path, filling, filling those caverns up with joyous relationships. But more than anything, it's part of yourself that's seeking validation from you. Yeah. Not anything outside of yourself. So it's like learning how to love yourself in a new way to where you don't even have to crave, even though you're going to. And I, and I'm speaking from my, my, I miss my friends all the time, but I think there's a a place that you can get to where you're like self satisfied. Yeah. And the, and a place that you can get to where they're 
organically self-satisfied. Yeah, their busyness and like inability to work you into their lives right now has nothing to do with you. I'm pulling up the four agreements. <laughs> Love that. Because it applies. Yeah, and I've been down this road too where it's like I feel like I'll, I'll just feel like so lonely and so disconnected from everyone in my life, but more often i would say 99.9999999% of the time that is because i'm in like a i'm having a depression moment or like i'm struggling with other mental health things and that it starts to magnify that feeling of earth-shattering loneliness be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions and always do your best thank you don miguel Ruiz mm-hmm. for those four agreements because they come up for me all the time not taking it personally yeah you know and that your friends might be just as depressed as you are yeah but I think depression is such like a it's such like a manipulative monster in a sense that suddenly for me when I'm depressed it's like everything becomes personal well we go into the victim mindset yeah, everything becomes personal and ev- and I become like an enemy to myself. Like I start having moments where I'm like I don't like like I question myself too Your much. Thoughts. Yeah, my own thoughts and I think horrible thoughts about myself and think that I sound like an idiot or this or that and it just like starts compounding until it's like i'm alone i'm gonna be alone forever like blah 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 and like gets out of control one of my therapists and mentors dr chris hoff he studied this narrative project which if you're looking for a therapist right now this might be a good key just to put you in a certain direction of the type of therapy that you want at least from um maybe this is a little bit more of a zen approach to modern therapy versus going into the traumas and trying to understand the why of what happened to trigger you into this. The narrative project is focusing on how you're narrating your thoughts to yourself, looking at the narrator and kind of giving that narrator some shape, some direction, some guidance on how to narrate your life in the direction that you want so that you notice when those darker thoughts come up that your narrator just needs a calibration. It's not, you're, you're not actually in a dark place. Maybe your intuition is telling you you need to shift something and that mm-hmm. could be legit. But knowing that if there's negative self-talk going on, that really that there's a deeper message. And if we were to just skew or like, like shift our narrator just a little bit, how powerful it could be to have those thoughts geared towards being on your own team. Yeah. And as far as the relationship goes, I mean, I think it's good to just be honest about with your partner, whoever you're dating about your mental health journey. And like, you don't owe I mean, I don't know how long you've been dating. It sounds like it's pretty new. You don't owe them some like detailed, like long history of like your struggle with depression. But I think if you're just like, you know what? I've been going through a really hard time. I like deal with, I've been like dealing with depression, anxiety since I was a teenager and I'm like starting a therapist, like medication journey. So I'm like a little bit sensitive right now. I just want you to know that like, and yeah divulge as as the intimacy allows yeah and also it's like if you're 
if you say something to this person and then they're throwing their hands up and being like, Ugh, like weirded out by it, Red you've flag. basically like you've done yourself a favor because they're not the person you're supposed to be with anyways. And I'm sure if this guy is a good guy, he'll understand and he'll be like, chill. Yeah. And by the time he gets back, you'll be regulated on any meds that you get on. Yeah. But not that I'm going to say the meds are the answer because there was this other thing that I saw that you felt like you, for the first time, wanted to die. Yeah. And I do a lot of work for myself about suicide and what the capacity, what, what is even the motive behind the desire to die? Mm-hmm. And I think that what it is, the reason why people think, oh, I know, I don't like this right now. Wouldn't it be great if I was just dead? Because I don't think that killing yourself would even, not that you're, I'm not saying that you were suicidal, but I don't think that killing yourself would even result in necessarily you feeling, you feeling better. Mm-hmm. But our society doesn't allow for any transitional ceremony anymore. Right, you turn eighteen and you get your key, your like keys to your car or something, but in tribal life, you could have an ego death, and maybe your ego is asking for a death. You know, you don't have to kill your physical body, but you could kill the parts of yourself that are no longer serving you. You can have different fire ceremonies. You could f- seek out sweat lodge ceremony. Or, you know, create your own ceremony with your friends that are legit mm-hmm. and, you know, have a fire, drink some wine or not, do some meditation or not, whatever your meditation looks like. Maybe you just need to knit. Maybe you just need to do <laughs> some kind of ceremony that helps you feel connected to the true essence of who you are, your I am statement, yeah, kind and responsible, um, rather than, you know, just, just looking at that whole... Well, Sure. I think all of us could use an ego death. I would be so happy to kill parts of myself that I'm just like, I don't need you around anymore making comments. Yeah. And I think also with like with your friends, I mean, this sounds really basic, but it's like I have certain text chains with friends where it's like we're all kind of in touch or like lolling randomly. Like no one is required to respond to anything anyone else sends but it's just like a nice feeling of like being able to update the group whenever you're going through something so maybe it's like as simple as like throwing together just like a text chain of your nearest and dearest lollers and then deciding or like being proactive about like once a month you're gonna make like invite them over invite them over to your amazing apartment and just make it like this is the day like I'm doing this and give everyone like a few weeks yeah, out to a plan Sunday it. Sunday brunch or <clears throat> something. Yeah. Good. Or just like a dinner, like where you order pizza or something like doesn't have to be crazy. Like have a meat and cheese plate and just like loll together. And like, if it's really important to you to be seeing them on a regular basis, just like figure, figure that out and have them meet over. your own needs. That's really the answer. And, it, and it's cool. Cause that's like what you're doing. Boom. Empowering talk with Laura. I love you, Laura. Thank I you love for that. you. And I love you. Keep us updated with your journey. Ego death, ego death, ego death. Oh, here's a really good one. Live, laugh, scam. First off, love the pod. Always evangelizing on behalf of the God's work you're doing. Never change. Lilas, hags, etc. What does hags mean? H-A-G-S. I gotta Google that. 
Wanted to write to touch on a topic I haven't heard any readers speak to recently. Scamming. I've been doing some low-key clothes scamming for about five plus years now, and I wanted to share my method with you and other readers to see if anyone else is doing this too. The method is using a tagging gun to reapply tags to clothes I wear. I bought a tagging gun on Amazon and a shit ton of tags in clear and black and a ton of loop tags and the thread tags in white and black and a few stores use. I will buy cute outfits for the week, special events, weddings, vacations, dates, whatever, and fully wear them. We'll sweat sunscreen and live in the clothes and then retag and send back either online or in the store. I've tried this at a ton of stores, but try to exclude department stores where there's tags you can't reattach. Blooming ba- Bloomingdale's B tags, etc., or small independent shops because I have some ethics. Some stores are more strict than others, and maybe if I'm bored, I'll follow up with an appendix of the places I've tried and have had no trouble. What's my justification for this scam? I'm poor. I enjoy looking cute and trendy. My tastes change, and I'm not hurting anyone. I hear people talk about trying to find a cute dress for a wedding they can wear season after season. And I'm like why just do this bootleg rent the one race rent the runway scheme with a flashy dress and save your dollars idk to each his own but this has been working for me for a while and is worth the payoff for a bit of coordination to look hella cute and pics in the day-to-day oh I, have i ever gotten in trouble for this let me see one time i bought a backpack for a vacation used it didn't like it and returned it to nordstrom a few weeks later i got a package in the mail from nordstrom which was weird because i didn't order anything I open it and find a typed letter saying something along the lines of, Hey, thanks for your return. Sorry it didn't work out. By the way, you left your passport in the bag you returned. Thanks again. That's right. I full-on returned a bag to Nordstrom with my passport inside of it. Clearly used the bag if it wasn't clear from the wear or smell, but I had to go ahead and leave my passport and phone charger in it. And I still got my money back and an encouragement to shop again. Wow. Anyways, that's all. Feels good to spread the gospel. If this is too long, feel free to omit or whatever. Love and scamming. P.S. Please don't say my name on the air. I have to keep the scam up. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not going to blow your scamming cover. This is truly a genius idea. And I think I'm going to have to put some Amazon shit wish on the list. wish list. Have you, what's your biggest scam? You're a scammer. I quit scamming when I became a mom. Really? I thought that this was clear. I stopped having, I could, if I scammed any longer, do you have any idea the psychic energy that Lola would pick up on and do? Yeah. I have to be pure and clear as a mother. I don't have a, a choice. I enjoy scamming, but I don't even get that, you know, children took away that joy from me. You're one of the biggest scammers I've known in my life. To the point that I thought you were just still scamming, but I stand corrected. I mean, at this point, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know that I try and be as and clear, like clear and crystal and, and integritous with my actions. That's good. Um, but I did used to steal stuff from the Goodwill. I just wear it out. Yeah. I have to say that I've been having the urge to shoplift recently and I've never had that urge before. And I've found myself in multiple stores really contemplating like, should I steal this or not? I like, did recently take a condiment, like uh, a that little, like they put the barbecue sauce on it. What are those called? Packets? No, like at a restaurant, they use a ramekin. I recently scammed a ramekin. That okay. was my most recent scamming. 
I go to Starbucks and I scam all the Splenda out of the container. Still with the Splenda? Still. Fucking Cascade got me hooked on Splenda and I haven't been the same ever since, but I won't buy it. I just go to Starbucks and get my coffee. And then when no one's looking, I grab a huge handful of Splenda and shove it in my bag. And then that lasts me for like a month or something until my next Starbucks scam. But I've been wanting to steal beauty products lately. Uh, oh, And I haven't done it, but I've been so close. Don't do it, Winona. I'm they- not going to do it because I honestly like, A, if I got caught, I would be humiliated. B, I just don't want to put that energy. Well, no, they're not in my budget right now. That's why I want (laughs) to steal them. But like, I want, I don't want that energy or karma coming back to me. And, and there's actually, there's like a psychic map for this or like a psychological map Mm -hmm. of the desire to steal comes from feeling under appreciated. That tracks. Uh, Oh, I'm like, well, people better fire up the wish list again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's been a week since I've gotten a wish list item, so Uh-oh. maybe that correlates directly with my need to steal. Um, this is a great scam. I'm always here for a return moment. Returning is, is return legitimate. You didn't like the backpack anymore. Yeah, and also you wore it once. You're done. Return. Let someone else wear it. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I would only steal from corporations in the pre-motherhood. And it was... Okay, this was actually the largest scam really quick was when I lived in Rhode Island and they sent me $2,300 in traveler's checks, somebody from Mm -hmm. Craigslist, this Craigslist scam. Mm -hmm. And I cashed the $2,300. No, you got Craigslist scammed? And I... Took the $2,300, used the $2,300, paid for my car and everything to get back cross country. And then when I arrived home, all of the checks had bounced. So somehow I used all the money, but then by the time I got home, I was like in debt $2,300 to Bank of America. No, Jocelyn. And so... Wait, what did they give you $2,300 for? I don't know. It just said Jocelyn Jane Fee, $2,300. And I took it. I walked into this huge Rhode Island, like old, like church looking bank. And I was like, I received these checks from some family on the West Coast. And they were like, cool. Yeah. And then my, they, the money was there. But it was, it took, I don't understand why it would take 30 days. But either the way. The thing is, the check scams, they have to post immediately because it's like some sort of bank rule. And then. In a couple weeks, once they figure out that they're scams, then the checks bounce. Then you're charged overage fees and you're responsible for whatever money. And I paid them. I paid them all back when I got back. I just had to, I was about to have to move back in with my mom. I was like 20. And, um, I think I put like a note on Facebook. Does anyone have a room that I could live in? I can't go back to Suki's house. And the next day, someone offered me a free room in their apartment. That's chill. So is that a scam or is that just free stuff? I can't believe you got you got scammed from Craigslist. That's what I'm saying. I mean... I literally, when I was... It was really... The $2,300, I, I wouldn't have been able to get back across country without no, it. Yeah, so it really worked out. a scam out. that came at a good time. Perfect scam. It was a perfect scam. I've gotten a lot of these free things, which... When I stopped stealing from corporations, I noticed that the universe just wanted to provide me with free stuff. Love that. 
I want to know from the readers what scams you're running right now because scams give me life. And I hope that <laughs> I want to know if you start implementing this scam because it's a really A plus high level. It's a high level scam. Um, all right, we're going to wrap it the fuck up. Wrap it up. Joss, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me. And thank you to all of the readers listening about, you know, these are personal details of our lives. And I just feel like they're all sitting in the room with us. Yeah. Thanks for bearing witness to our journey. Emotional growth. Emotional growth. Therapeutic healing. What tell everyone where they can find you? You guys can find me at Sacred Roots Holistic Healing or at Panacea Holistic Institute in Long Beach. And if you just want to fi- follow me personally and check out my kids, find me on Instagram at uh, Jane's my middle name. Also, if they, if you want to come here and kill this dog, write me <laughs> an email about it, babepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow Babe Podcast on Instagram, you can do that at Babe Podcast. And if you want to support this podcast and become a patron, be part of the Babe Book Club or get bonus episodes, you can do so at patreon.com slash Babe Podcast. And what else is happening? Oh, if you're into Vanderpump Rules, I have an exciting development for you, which is I have a show on October 2nd at resident downtown LA. The doors open at 7 p.m. The show's at 8 p.m. I'm going to be performing live with Carrie O'Donnell, friend of Sexy Unique Podcast and fellow Lawler. It's going to be really fun. We have an exciting kind of some upcoming Sexy Unique Podcast episodes that are coming out soon that link to this show. You'll find more out in the coming weeks, but mark your calendars and come. I would love to see all of you there. And uh, keep rolling. That's it. Love light. And hope this dog passes away. Not as much light. Namaste. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.